let me talk to you for a minute, family. Can we have an honest conversation? Because I'm going to tell you the absolute worst thing that you can do right now if you play fantasy football, if you participate in dynasty fantasy football, if you are big on the best ball tournaments, underdog fantasy, DraftKings, FFPC, the worst thing that you can do right now, now that the fantasy football season is over, is tap out. It's close your eyes. It's to lay around and wallow in sorrow because you lost. It's to be frustrated because your favorite player didn't play in week 17. The worst thing you can do is tap out because the news, the things that are happening right now in week 18 in the NFL, it's going to influence and shape the content that you consume in the spring during the rookie draft process. Once the NFL draft gets here and once we get to the point where we start to draft for our fantasy football teams, you better be paying attention to what's going on and more importantly, how the fantasy football community in space thinks and perceives and reacts to the things that are going on in the NFL. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Got a couple of news topic items that I feel inclined and compelled to discuss with you good people. And we're going to talk about how that may or may not influence the fantasy football space. One of them being gentlemen that you see on the screen right behind me, number nine from Washington, Michael Penix Jr. And the comparisons that some are making to potential offensive rookie of the year down in Houston, CJ Stroud. We're also going to talk about fly Eagles fly AJ Brown, who apparently according to some reports from people from the Philadelphia Inquirer, is a cancer and a distraction inside the locker room. And then we are going to talk about probably the most hot topic item in the fantasy football space today, the topic of ROI, return on investment, and who you should or should not be paying money to in fantasy football. We got a lot to talk about, a little bit of time to do it, so let's get it. Okay, let's get it. Appreciate y'all being here. If you're new to the channel, y'all know who it is, man. It's your boy, Ray G. You can find me on X at Ray GQ. And we're going to talk about some things that are permeating in the fantasy football space and how we should react or think about those individual items. So let's kick this thing off and talk about one of the best players in the NFL, A.J. Brown. And I talked about it at the beginning. There was a report, a quote, an actual video from one of the reporters uh, or an insider, I would say, from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Marcus Haynes, that was talking about A.J. Brown being a cancer in the locker room or causing some friction and some problems in the locker room because of his body language, voicing frustrations with the offense. Philly had a big change. They lost their D.C. and their O.C. after going to the Super Bowl. That team last season looked completely unstoppable. They started off the season 10-1. and Lost four of the last five. Nobody saw that coming. But let's hear what Mr. Hayes had to say about A.J. Brown. Again, A.J. has issues with something. I was told by his teammates that and it this was This is Marcus Hayes. Marcus Hayes is talking I mean, right now. We see him reacting to play calls on the field all the time. And um, I guess to his credit, he doesn't want to start more than what we're seeing. But... Um, there are a couple of players on the team I talked to, one of whom I quoted on background. When you're a captain and a leader and arguably the best player on the team, your body language matters. Oh, yeah. So, you know, AJ has been a great player and a great example on the field and a pretty good example off the field. But the, the blow up on the sideline with Jalen re resonates more now. And his distaste or disgust with what's going on on the field resonates more now. And it's only amplified when he refused, not only refuses to talk about it, 
but says, I'm not going to talk about it because I have bad things to say, then says there's nothing really to talk about. So that was Marcus Hayes. He is a reporter from the Philadelphia Inquirer. And that was him basically talking about A.J. Brown's body language, what he has been told from Philadelphia Eagles players in that locker room, that A.J. Brown, his, his body language, his emotion is sort of fracturing or being a problem, causing a problem in Philadelphia. Now, before I give my opinion on this, let's hear from A.J. Brown, who actually just responded to this a few minutes ago. Let's hear from A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown frustrated with the Eagles. A.J. AJ this, A.J. that, you know, but everybody's locker room is frustrated. So why are you singling me out because I'm frustrated? Like, just because I'm shaking my head, I'm showing emotion. You can look at everybody in the stadium has bad body language. They're frustrated, you know? And so, yeah, I wanted to clear that up because it's not about me. Like, we're all frustrated. So I wanted to clear that up, man. Your question was? No, about the other sources of the frustration. Yeah, because because uh, I, I want to win. Like, I want to win. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do everything in my power to win. Like, I wake up before the sun come up. I go home when the sun is past hours after the, the sun has gone down. Like, this, this, is, this is our life. We dedicate our whole entire life to this shit. Like, I'm sorry I'm cursing, but, but it, it's, it's serious to us. You know what I'm saying? And so it comes with a frustration because... If one man goes the wrong way, a half inch, the play is over. It doesn't work. And that's what happened. And that's what actually happened that last drive, you know, that Brian is getting crucified on that on, on the play call or whatever. That that second play, if somebody go to the left and, and, and block a certain person, it's a 30-yard touchdown by Jerry where he runs in. So it, it, that's why it's the greatest game of it. That's the greatest game it is today because it takes all 11 to, to be on the same page. And the one person messed up, the whole play is over. So my thoughts on this are, hey, from a fantasy perspective, I'm not going to dive into what journalists should or should not do. I understand that there's a level of, you know, anonymity that these reporters must keep in order to keep those sources inside team locker rooms. I'm not here to debate any of that. I'm no journalist. I've never worked inside a locker room. I don't do that. All I know is from a fantasy perspective, I've seen some people already talking about, oh, A.J. Brown's going to ask for a trade in the offseason. A.J. Brown this, A.J. Brown that. The Here's the, the, the reality of the situation. Philly lost two coordinators. From the beginning of the season, and I have talked about this on my show, Wake Up with Ray G., Mondays, now that it's the offseason, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the offenses look different without Shane Steichen. You see what he's doing in Indianapolis with Gardner Minshew, what he's doing for Michael Pittman Jr. and some of the weapons and the talent in Indianapolis. It looks different under Johnson. It does. And Philadelphia's offenses look different all season long. Losing four of the last five, A.J. Brown has not been as impactful as he was earlier in the season. When they started off 10-1, and one, you have to wonder how much of this is Hurts, how much is the OC, how much of it is Nick Sirianni, the offense, or just bad variants that they're running up against. But A.J. Brown, what is undeniable is he's top five in the NFL in receptions with 105. He's top five in the NFL in yards with over 1,440 yards. And he's top 20 in the NFL with seven touchdown receptions. He is a bona fide superstar, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And if anybody in the fantasy football space wants to scare you off of A.J. Brown, if this presents even the tiniest window by opportunity to get him because he's a cancer in the locker room, especially if the Eagles play week 18 and he doesn't perform again against the Giants, go 
by Brown. Drop the bomb. I'm standing with AJ Brown. Drop the bomb. Standing with AJ Brown. I think this is a it is a story because I do believe that everybody's frustrated in that locker room. But from a fantasy perspective, am I moving or adjusting how I think or view AJ Brown? Hell no, not even a little bit. So go out there, see if you've got any fish in your league that are going to pick up the bait on this story. Get them on the hook, reel them in, and go ahead and acquire you some damn A.J. Brown. Now let's talk about a quarterback. That man is right there on the back of the screen going in the national championship against Michigan, Michael Penix Jr. And this young man has a lot of people thinking, hoping, imagining he can go out there and do the same type of thing that C.J. Stroud did for life for the Houston Texans. He is a ball placement specialist. Michael Penix Jr., for everything that people have talked about as reasons why you should fade him, right? The injury history is extensive. We know it. Multiple ACLs, shoulder injury. But if you've watched anything from this young man, and most people, it was their first taste of Michael Penix Jr. this past Monday on a national stage because they ain't staying up watching Pac-12 after dark. So for most people, it was their first time getting a chance to see him play. But for those of us who are Pac-12 truthers and homers, you see the USC Trojans helmet up there. Love me some Pac-12 football. Now Big Ten football, I guess. You know that if Michael Penix Jr. is given time, he can make every single throw that you would want an NFL quarterback to make. And as you're watching it, it's lazy analysis, but I don't know how far off from the truth it is because you watch him play and he looks like Tua. He's a left-handed quarterback. He's, he's, he's accurate. He's putting the ball down the field. He's pushing the ball downfield. He can deliver it to all quadrants. He gets his tight ends involved. He gets both two, three wide receivers involved. And it just makes you think, man, what if we can get this young man on a team like the Atlanta Falcons, right? The Minnesota Vikings with Michael Penix Jr., Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson when he's back, and Jordan Addison would be freaking incredible. Give me all the Penix that I can get. And I've learned my lesson, quite frankly. Looking at these quarterbacks that may not be the dual-threat dynamic quarterbacks and writing them off because they may have come from an offense that is conducive for scoring points, this Kalen Moore offense, been good for two years. You look at Michael Penix, Michael Penix's stats over the past couple of years, and they look sort of kind of like uh, old C.J. Stroud for the last two years. So look at Michael Penix. First thing you notice, he's been in damn college since 2018. A long time to be playing college football. So he's very experienced. He should be as good as he is. But man, the past two seasons, no less than 65% completion percentage, over 4,600 yards, and no less than 30 touchdown passes and no more than nine interceptions over the past two years at Washington. This is surgical type stuff. And we'll pull up C.J. Stroud and look at what he looked like his final two years at Ohio State. You see that. Both of those players, 4,000 yards. C.J. Stroud, a little bit of a dip in that final season. But the completion percentage is high. Ball placement specialist. 44 touchdown passes as a junior, as a sophomore for C.J. Stroud. And then another 41 with only six interceptions. I'm looking at this. Quarterback rating no less than 177.7. Let's pull Penix up one more time. And where is he at? I think it's like 160. Yeah, 163.5 in his final season. He's got one more game to go and then 151. So while the comparisons to CJ Stroud surface level are fun, and I get it and I understand, but CJ Stroud was a different animal. And you see right now he's playing and performing like a different animal in the NFL. 
Penix Jr. for me was one of those guys that was teetering between quarterback five to quarterback seven for me a couple of months ago with J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix also in the mix. But as we sit back today and really look at this, this is who I got. You know, you got Jaden Daniels right there at the tip top using these stats. We kind of talked about the uh, the average PPA projected or potential points added. It's just like EPA. I mean, he's at the top of the list, the top of the class. Jaden Daniels right there, 0.7. That's an average of all rush and pass attempts. He is incredible, incredible player. You also have Bo Nix, who's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in this class as well. Uh, you're going to get a chance to see him at Mobile at the Senior Bowl. He's second on this list in those EPA efficiency categories, followed by the aforementioned Michael Penix Jr. coming in at third, 0.51. Average of PPA for all rushing and passing, first down, second down, just sort of giving you a snapshot of the EPA for these players. And then the final two, you got Caleb Williams and Drake May. Put those on the screen. If you're not watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe so you can see this. And you can visit the link in the description, which gives you access to this website. It's a free tool. I go to it all the time, collegefootballdata.com. And you can kind of look at this and formulate some opinions uh, on these players and these quarterbacks on your own. But when I'm looking at Michael Penix Jr., all I know is that he has done everything that you can ask for a young quarterback prospect to do to put himself in position to be drafted very high. And if he does get the capital that I project, which is going to be a first-round pick, he's going to be somebody that cannot fall past the 107 spot in Superflex formats. You'll have your big three quarterbacks with Caleb, Drake, Daniels, big four with Michael Penix, and then you've got three studs at the wide receiver position in Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison Jr., and in tight end premium formats, the right ones, Brock Bowers rounding out your top eight. Michael Penix Jr., one more game to show the entire world that he is a ball placement specialist, a surgeon, a quarterback that you can build a franchise around in the NFL and in fantasy. Excited to see him play versus Michigan next week. And the final and probably the biggest topic in the fantasy football space today, the conversation around ROI. So let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about it. And I don't know if this was the, the ignition, right? If this was the actual, the, 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 the inception, the start point of this entire conversation that's just been going all over social media the past 24, 48 hours. But I'm going to give them credit. I'm going to give Jordan McNamara, analytics of Dynasty, at McNamara Dynasty on X, the credit here. Because he pros this, and I saw this yesterday. This, or saw this on the first. This is the time of year when you should find out how your fantasy analyst did this year. What was their buy-in? What was their ROI? Profit? Investment? How many leagues are they in? How many leagues have they orphaned? If there's no transparency, ask yourself why? I personally really don't have a problem with what McNamara said, asking for transparency, uh, wanting to know people's ROI, how much money are they making. Here's where I kind of felt a little rubbed the wrong way. And this is my personal opinion. You are the consumer. Like the consumer pays for what they want to pay for. And there are different factors as to why people buy a website subscription here, pay for a Patreon service there on a YouTube video, provide a super chat for their favorite creators. And not all of those things are draped in how much money you make playing fantasy football. I'm not about to do all of that shit. I'm just telling you right now. I play in over 30 leagues, and I'll just be honest with you right now, won five. I won five of the 30 leagues that I was in, but I also max entered Best Ball Mania five, Best Ball Mania four, 150 teams in that. Multiple teams in some of the other underdog fantasy tournaments. 
over this season, I probably made close to about 10 grand in profit from fantasy. That ain't no life changing money. Like $10,000 is doing nothing long term for anybody. So, in my opinion, if you're playing fantasy football in dynasty leagues and redraft leagues to make money, RO, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, there are more, there are better, more efficient ways to try to secure return on whatever investment that is in freaking fantasy football. I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm not saying any of that. But what does that do? For me, my opinion, just my opinion, what I feel when I read those things is you've got some creators who have had a, a, the ability and have found great success in selling and monetizing their voice, their flow, their product, their skills. And if you can do that, it doesn't matter to me. I, I don't care. There are people out there who, who break down collegiate prospects, who talk about rookies, who I think that I'm probably better than in talking about and analyzing the game. But you know what? They found a way to capitalize and make money off of their voice, their image, their likeness. So kudos to them. I don't need some ROI tracker to tell me or to tell other people um, who and wh why and how they should invest their time and their money. And spare me the fool thing that you're looking for transparency for those out there. I want to I wanna protect the people who are paying these individual creators. I stop that shit, man. Like, you, don't pocket watch other folks. Let people spend their money where they want to spend their money. And if you want to know, oh, Ray, how successful were you this year? I'll tell you, man, there were some leagues I thought I was going to take down and it didn't happen. But ultimately, my measure and level of success are by the people who still rock with me. Because I know for a fact I've been right on some players. Kyron Williams, league winner this year. Told y'all he was a top running back two years ago. This season, Devon Achan, told you he would probably be pretty good in the NFL. Puka Nakua, the same way. But amongst the hits, I've also got misses. Daniel Jones thought he would be a top five quarterback this year. Top 10 option in New York. That is a big womp, womp, womp. He was not that. Transparency enough. There are other players. Tony Parr thought he could finish as the RB1 in fantasy. Womp, womp, womp that as well. But ultimately, for me, in my opinion, it's not about how much money you win. The money that you win does not make you a better or worse fantasy football player. It's the process. It's the strategies. It's the negotiation. It's the trades. It's teaching people the tools in order to construct their rosters in a way to put them in a position to be there at the end of the day. It's that player that subscribes to Destination Debbie that says, man, I've lost my home league over the last four years and I made it to the finals this year because of the principles and tools that you guys talked about. I'm going to take it down next year. That for me, that's all the transparency that I need to see. As long as you as the consumer are happy with the product, who gives a shit about how much money somebody makes from a game that is very dependent on everything other than what we do. We have no impact on Josh Jacobs being out there in week 17. We can't turn around and give damn Derrick Henry the ball in the championship game. And we're not the ones who hurt Christian McCaffrey's calf when we needed him most. There were a couple of other tweets that I thought were really good. This one here from Dynasty Matters. He tweeted this out yesterday. A good measure of fantasy football manager isn't their win-loss record, championships or ROI. Those are mostly luck. It's the trades they make that show their skill. It's how they read markets and negotiate deals. That's where you can see the difference in their actual skill set. There was another one here from Blake A. Hampton. 
who said, I'm not a financial advisor, but if you're trying to make real money, real ROI on fantasy football, you're a goofball. It's the worst probability to get a return in a league that requires a lot of luck. Take your entry fees, put it into a Roth IRA or something like that. I'm not going to be as sarcastic as Blake, but I feel him. Like, I'm not doing this, and hopefully you're not doing this either as some long-term investment strategy to set you up in the future. So in my opinion, while I understand the main points around being transparent, talking about the wins, talking about the losses, the hits, and the misses, it's a damn fantasy football, man. We're here to have a good time, have fun playing the game, and you, the consumer, rock with whoever the hell you want to whether they show their wins and losses they don't show their wins and losses you're subscribed to that service you pay for that service for a reason and don't let anybody out there tell you you should or should not because somebody does not show their win-loss record and it's just bs anyway i don't give a damn about how much money you made in your 20 dollar work league who gives a shit about any of that make sure you're out there providing actionable advice to put players in the right position to be successful when that lucky season and spell starts to take place. So interesting topic for me. I don't really care about any of that, man. You do what you want, like and roll with what you, who you want to like and roll with and all that ROI stuff and, and talk about investment and all of this. Go play in the stock market. Go do something else with your fantasy football money other than worry about ROI. This game is for fun, man. I ain't, I ain't here for any of that. So while the fantasy space is talking about that, stay tapped in over here at Destination David. We got rookies. We got fantasy daily conversations. We got Scott Connor. We got a podcast feed and the website where you can access those tools to help you win some of them fantasy championships. I appreciate you tapping in today. Enjoy. Be back with more content soon. I'm out. Peace.